My name's Yaya. I'm an alcoholic. Um, hopefully my connection is solid and everyone can hear me. <coughs> um, so I was wondering kind of what I was going to say. I didn't realize that it was like a double speaker meeting, which is very cool. Um, I also just spoke at a meeting last night. So I kind of am like, I don't know what to say, but I, I thought maybe um, seeing as how we read more about alcoholism, which is probably one of my favorite chapters and which I just recently read with my sponsee. Um, and since I just am doing like the mini share, I figured <clears throat> maybe I would talk about an experience I had recently, sort of recently, like a couple months ago, where I have this um, day by day book, which is not like a, a specific literature. It's like a Hazelden book, <clears throat> but it's sort of like a daily meditation kind of thing. And the, the passage was, um, it was like, you know, when we have a craving or when we have the urge, like think the drink, ponder the pill. Like it was essentially saying to like play the tape out, you know, and, and it ended with like today, <clears throat> I, will, I will fight the urge by. And my first thought was, well, but I don't even wanna drink. Like, I don't wanna drink today. And rather than think like, wow, what a gift of the program or like, wow, what a gift of sobriety. My next thought was like, well, maybe I'm not an alcoholic then, right? Because alcoholics want to drink. And if I don't want to drink, like then that, that must, why would I, you know? And I was like, well, what does that mean then? <clears throat> and I was like, I tend to journal a lot. <clears throat> Gosh, I'm sorry for this cough. <laughs> um, <clears throat> bad timing. Okay. So I've always, I've always journaled a lot and I find journaling really helpful to kind of like get my thoughts out of my head and onto paper. So I was like, well, what does that mean if I'm not an alcoholic? Like what, what is the next step to that? Well, obviously the next step would be, why would I be an Alcoholics Anonymous if I'm not an alcoholic? Right. And then what does that mean? Well, that means that I'm not going to meetings. So it means that I'm hanging out with my friends. And what does that mean? Well, my friends all drink. <clears throat> so that means that I'm going to drink and kind of like down and down the line where it ended up like, <clears throat> ultimately I just end up bottom of the barrel drunk again. And as I was writing this out, I was like, what? Cause I was just watching my life like unravel on paper where it just started from this first thought of like, I don't want to drink to ending up like bottom of the barrel drunk. Right. And so today it was just such a clear example of how like <clears throat> subtle and sneaky my alcoholism is because at this point, it can't be as obvious as just being like, oh, you want to drink because I know when that happens, I'm like, oh no, that's my alcoholism. Like, boo -boo, I can like block that. Right. <clears throat> but so when my alcoholism instead goes like, oh, but you don't want to drink. So maybe you're not actually an alcoholic. Like that's just a sneaky way for me to still end up at a drink, you know? So like, Today, anytime I have a thought that somehow leads to this idea that I'm not an alcoholic, immediately I know that like I'm in trouble there, you know, because that has happened like however many times in the past where it's that other, <clears throat> the most insidious of all lies is the lie of just one, <laughs> you know, because, and the most insane of all lies, because never in my life has it ever been just one. And once I've started drinking, never in my life have I ever wanted it to be just one. But I would fall for that all the time, you know? And it's like, it's these little, these little blind spots in my brain that like 
my alcoholism is able to take advantage of because it's just like, it knows where to catch me so that I can end up drunk. And the only way that I'm able to like not fall into those holes is by staying active in my program. So it's like when it talks about more about alcoholism, like the, the idea that we are like other people needs to be smashed, right? But the only way that I remember that is by staying like in the book, staying with a sponsor, staying in meetings. Because otherwise, those ideas of just like, I'm not an alcoholic because I don't want to drink. And even if I did want to drink, like I would just have one. <laughs> those are very seductive thoughts, you know. Um, and it's just funny, like when that happened, like, so I don't have the time um, really to like go into my whole history, but uh, the very nature of my history, the, the idea that I am like not alcoholic is ridiculous. <laughs> you know, it's like I started uh, drinking and using drugs when I was really young. I spent the majority pretty much, I, I spent the years from like 14 to 27 strung out on the street. You know, I got sober for like five years, but then I fell into that trap of like pulling away from AA, copying a resentment against AA, where I was like, I'm clearly not getting what I need out of this anymore. So I'm just going to stop going. And then, you know, ended up drinking again, was in that trap of like, well, this is fine. This is good. This is awesome. This is good, fun times. Like none of these consequences matter because this is what I want to be doing until eventually things just got bad enough to where it's like, I couldn't believe my own lies about it anymore. And um, the whole story is like much more complicated than that. But like, it's kind of a rough outline that like, even that makes it clear that like me thinking that I'm not an alcoholic simply because one day I don't feel like drinking is ridiculous. Um, I don't know where I'm going with this. I feel like I'm not doing a good job, but it's okay. <laughs> Um, uh, you know, I just want to say like alcoholism shows up in so many different ways and, and it's, it's so, um, it's so weirdly all consuming unless it's like, I just pay attention to it. And as long as I pay attention to it, then it's like, it, it's not as, um, it has less power to like manipulate my life. I'm again, not doing a good job explaining this. <laughs> um, but, you know, I currently right now, like I said, this is not my first time getting sober. I, um, I, my current sobriety date is June 6th, 2020. So I have a little over two years. Um, because I got sober in 2020, I did get sober online. It was weird. I don't know if there's people in this room who may have only gotten sober online, which is pretty wild to me. Um, in which case, like, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you found it. I'm glad that AA was still able to be here for you. Um, it was like a huge thing for me though, to be able to like go back into person because it just, that was like a part that was really missing for me. Like that kind of like personal connection and the feeling that happens when you're in like a physical room with each other. Um, and, uh, you know, but like my, my life today, um, I was just thinking about this yesterday where it's like, when I say that my life is better today, it's not that like I'm doing the same things and they're just better. 
it's like I'm doing completely different things. And so they're just like inherently better, you know? And like outwardly, materially, my life isn't incredibly different. You know, it's like I'm living with my family right now, which is not great. <laughs> but I am also, you know, I'm finishing up a grad program that there's no way I would be able to be doing if I was still drinking. I, you know, have like a little part-time job that I love. I still have lots of my same old friends that all still drink because that's what they do. And I still see them a lot of the time. But I also now have lots of friends like in AA. And it's like across the board, everyone in my life at this point knows that I'm sober. And the majority of them know that I'm like sober in AA. And like that in itself is like um, just one of the ways in which I try to like practice the principle of being honest, you know, like both in AA and in the rest of my life that helps me, I guess, manage you know, my alcoholism and gives my alcoholism kind of like less power because it gives it less places to hide, you know? Um, gosh. So <laughs> I think that is the time I have. Uh, hopefully that was useful. And uh, Laura, thank you for asking me to speak. And I'm really looking forward to hearing Charlie. Yep. Charlie alcoholic. Um, no, this is great. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm about to tell your fucking story. I, I, I know I am because I am a king of the relapses. Um, uh, I, I, I've shared for double speaker before. So if you scroll through all that list, I'm on there and you get to hear my life story in the last one I did. Uh, so now it's I'm just going to tell you how it is, you know. So right now, um, uh, my clean date is May 23rd, 2019. Um, I have a sponsor. Um, uh, I talked to several members of the program that are also like my uh, sub sponsor if my sponsor is busy. So I'm always connected with some kind of uh, sponsorship deal. Um, I have sponsees. Some of them work the steps. Some of them are perfect. Um, uh, uh, my program is very strict and rigid. Um, I cannot, I'm one of those people that, uh, um, I'm a 24 um, seven, uh, job. Uh, I have no days off of AA. Um, there's always a program in my life. So here's why. Um, so in, I just like backstory, like I'm horrible with death. When death happens to me, it, it was a hundred percent that I was going to relapse in 2016. Uh, my sister Buddha died and it fucking devastated me. I had, I had relapsed once before. Uh, I, at that point, like I had, um, I had a two-year chip and I had a three-year chip. Um, things were, uh, things were decent when, when she died. And, but, but I still always had a reservation that if something ever happened, um, I was going to, uh, I was going to use if my mom died um, if one of my sisters died, I was going to drink. So pretty much, um, pretty much I went down that deep uh, dive. You know, I, I'm really just, just imagine whatever your drug of choice was, is what I relapsed on because that's how I am. Uh, I, I pick and choose. Sometimes it's, it's prescribed to me. Sometimes it's a liquor store. Sometimes it's on the corner. Uh, it just depends on how readily available it is. And so I'm not going to get into all that. Um, but, you know, I, I relapsed. You know, I had a lot of problems with um, higher power uh, at that time. 
um, I was I was going to the Island Fellowship. You know, you people are all from the Bay Area, so you know Alameda. Um, uh, it's an old timer fellowship. Um, I was over there, and and there was this old dude named Walter, and he we did the first time I ever did like the third step prayer. You know, I I, I felt something. You know, he he connected me to a couple guys that were like more my age. You know, more like hardcore or metal or whatever. Um, uh, I I hung out with them. I listened to what they said. You know, I saw all the analogies of like Yoda or Bruce Lee could be higher power, but the pain of of you know that that loss, uh, I just didn't connect at that time. Uh, um, so from 2016 to 2018, I white knuckled it. Um, I did every kind of service commitment you could do, except for sponsor and except for prayer. I didn't do any of, I, I didn't try to do any of those things. Um, I had vo uh, voices in my head saying I wasn't good enough because I wasn't working on any of this other stuff. What did I have a value? You know, it was, it was really like, I, I never really allowed myself to recover. I never allowed myself to grieve. Um, and I just, it was just the worst fucking two years you could possibly have clean and sober. Everyone was patting me on the back too. It was, it was the worst fucking thing ever is people coming up and saying, man, you're doing so great. Oh God, you're doing so fucking great. And then I would get on that bus to come from Alameda. I live in Oakland and I'd, I'd be going through that tube. And right when I would go through that tube, that fucking ship would be on my shoulder and I'd be like, what the fuck do they know? What does anybody know? I'm in pain. You don't fucking know. You know, I'll get to why they didn't know. Um, you know, um, in 2018, I turned 40, right? And my my girlfriend planned this big, huge fucking trip to the UK. We're we're going to doing all this this fun shit over there, and 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 everything was supposed to be cool, but probably like day two that chip that was on my shoulder was full bore. Um, I, I, I fucking hated the trip. I hated people. I hated other fucking tourists. I didn't know why I decided to go to a tourist trap for my fucking birthday. This was fucking horrible. The whole time I bitched. And then we went to Scotland. It got a little better. You know, they're a little more chill. Um, I, I actually had my coolest AA experience uh, was I went to a uh, I went to a meeting in Glasgow, Scotland, and I sat in this meeting where they they speak English but they don't speak English, and uh, I barely understood what they said. Uh, they asked me to share after they shared because I was the only American there. Um, they almost beat me up for wearing a Raiders hat. They thought it was like another soccer club, and they were like about to cut me up uh, outside the meeting. It was it was awesome, and then like I left. And it was kind of rainy. The sun came out and there's like one of my heroes is walking down the street. And I like freak out fanboy like, oh, dude, I fucking love your music, man. And it was just like a weird experience of like afterwards, we were eating a haggis burrito and the sun was shining on the burrito. The tinfoil was like a disco light. And it was like there might be some kind of like thing to this AA thing. Like I feel fucking great. But here's the funny thing about like uh, daily reprieves is uh, six days later, we came home. Uh, it was a shit show to get home. By the time we had gotten home, 
that chip on my shoulder was like the hunchback in Notre Dame. It was a massive weighing me down. Like I'm, I'm a big guy, but I started walking hunched uh, because this burden uh, that was on me. And, uh, you know, I'm horrible with death. And I, I get home and I find out that, you know, my abuser as a kid is fucking dying. And I fucking, it's my sister too. So uh, um, I flip out and I like, she's a habitual liar. So I have to find out if this bitch is really dying. I find out, you know, I have a social security number. I find out all this stuff. And I'm like, I was, I just wanted to die before her, you know? Uh, So my first thought was if I smoke weed, this will all go away. And I was like, that kid that when I relapsed, that I can go get weed from him. So I went over to his house, but it, there wasn't just weed there. There was a huge pile of cocaine and they, they had a bottle of liquor right there. And all of a sudden I didn't have any more problems that, that I could think of. Uh, they all uh, went away. And at first, um, I tried to pull the sneaky shit. Uh, I still went to the Island Fellowship once a month. I was their group chair. And probably the, the first two months, probably 10 days of those months, like 20 days, I did Coke and drank. And then it became every day. I only lasted two months of the weekend warrior shit. It became every day. Um, I had this awesome job. I have this awesome life that everybody's patting me on the fucking back for. And I had full blown relapse and I was gone. Um, You know, my birthday was in July. So by December, um, everyone's still pretty oblivious of 2018. Everyone's oblivious, but then a couple people made comments. I'm a pretty big guy. People gave me hugs and were like, holy shit, you're skinny. And no one had really, I don't like people touching me. So people just don't fucking touch me regularly, even still. Uh, So these couple people started calling that. And then my girlfriend started getting suspicious. And and because of the other relapses, you know, she's got the right (laughs) to be suspicious. So she starts looking. And catches a couple things. And then and then I get bit at work. I'm a dog groomer. I, I get my finger bit through at work. Super damaged. I had a bender. Like I, it was it wasn't like any like an abuse situation. It was a situation I should not have been at work. Uh, and I put my hand where it should not have been not being aware enough to be able to move quick enough. Um, so I had to miss all these days of work. And the next thing you know, um, there the the work is like dude this is suspicious we got to cut your hours and girlfriend's like dude i'm talking to your best friend your best my best friend in the program um he's telling me i should dump your ass until you get back in the fucking program so i mean this this is like the worst fucking day of my life it's like this career that i want is destroyed I've been lying to these people that are my fucking family. Like the Island Fellowship is 
they, I mean, they took care of my crazy ass. I'm scary. Uh, like for real scary. Like go listen to that. Go listen to that YouTube of that other shit. I'm hardcore. So, I mean, they, they fucking took care of me there. You know, how dare I, the, the level of shame was so high that my only thought was, was that I had to kill myself. You know, I, I, I met, I called my fucking mom and had my mom FedEx a gun. I have, we have all these disassembled guns at my house because there's a lot of like, my mom likes gangster, like gangster men and her son's a gangster and her daughters are gangsters. There's all these disassembled guns at her house. She sends me one, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to fucking shoot myself and just let my girlfriend find me. That was the plan. I didn't think of AA. I've been in AA. I've been here for a while. That was not my first thought. My first thought was there's no possible way I can come back from this. Like despair was thick. It fucking sucked. Um, so I went on this huge bender, like this huge, massive end all bender. End all bender. The, this, the, the, all these kids that I was hanging out with, they were all in the same kind of like suicidal trajectory as I was. One of our friends just killed himself. Me and this other guy were just like, we're going to do as much drugs. I won't tell you the amount, a lot, uh, to try to kill us. And it didn't end up working. Like I, I ended up like completely losing it. Um, I attacked some kids uh, who like said some derogatory shit in the house. I like lost my shit. And then the craziest thing happened to me. I started um, uh, a few of those men from the Island Fellowship. They have very distinct voices, kind of like mine, like deep and gruff. And I started hearing their voices in my head. And they kept saying, what the fuck are you doing? Get up. Turn on your phone. I turned on my phone. And then my, my girlfriend's been calling anybody that she knows that's um, in the program. <clears throat> and they're all messaging me back. Like, dude, we've thought something. Come back. There's no shame in coming back. And, all, like, and then me messages from her of like, oh, me and the cat need you. Don't do nothing crazy. You know, come, come home. Um, super flooded. Like, like I waited, I went home. My, my plan when I fell asleep was to, uh, to be sober, um, the next day. Uh, but when I woke up, I had $20 in my pocket and I walked down the street. I live on MLK, uh, and I walked down to the tents and I uh, smoked meth. And then I, for the second time, uh, a psychotic event happened to me and I heard those voices again. But this time I listened. And when, when I heard the voice say, what the fuck are you doing? Get up. I handed them the, what was left of what, what I bought. I got up out of that fucking tent and, and I left and I came home. And I found out the hard way that uh, all the stuff I was doing, it was all, you know, everything's all cut, like alcohol, all, all, none of it was like, none of it's real. It's, it was all damaged my body so fucking bad that uh, this detox happened. Um, I, I did not go to like any, any program, you know, I, I was still 
pretty, pretty out of it and desperate not to lose uh, that job <laughs> that I had. Uh, so basically the, it was, that was a Thursday. I, I, I slept until Sunday, Sunday, I got up and I went to the Island fellowship and I basically, I told them everything, <laughs> uh, everything. And uh, they were all very scared. Uh, I was saying scary things. Uh, I was, I was bawling uncontrollably. Um, I did not have control over my emotions um, at all. Uh, they held on to me and they said, you're a 24 seven job. You have to find a fellowship that's close to your house. And that is, is either, either open late or has more than seven meetings a day. So, I mean, I lived downtown at that time. Central office was over here. Um, I, I, I started looking at the evening meetings um, and then um, uh, one of those members there at the island suggested the late show and it was 10 p.m. and it was a nice nightcap. Um, the guy that I had a sponsor crush on who I was going to ask to be my sponsor was there. That was his home group. So it was kind of when she said that it kind of just like clicked of like these it's these motherfuckers or I'm dead. Uh, so I went and I actually like, it's super fucked up, but obviously the, the happy ending is like, I didn't kill myself. So, but like, I was like, if I'll give these guys five days, cause I knew that they're much softer than me. You know, I, I do the old school program. Uh, I, I was around all these old timers for so long. They better not fuck around type of thing. So I went and the, the first day, I knew a dozen people that were there. So all of a sudden, half of my buildup and my stigma was gone of like, I'm been around for a long time. These guys know me. What was I thinking? Like that first day. But then like bad days happened, you know, the first the first week of being sober. Like if you're new, if you're new in the first in your first year, you're fucking amazing. You're awesome. You're in the right place. This is your part. Uh, we all felt this shit. So, I mean, I, I, let's just say like, I, I, I have, I had no car. Uh, I had no savings. Um, I had a job that was only two days a week. Um, to go to that job, I had to walk from downtown Oakland to Webster Street in Alameda uh, through the tube all that stuff. Um, it's, it's seven miles round trip. Um, so, um, that first time doing that, when I got through the tube to go to work, I was fucking pissed. I was pissed at myself, the shame, like, you know, I had some solid, uh, days of sobriety, but the shame came back, you know, this is a daily reprieve. We, we have to do something every day to have spiritual fucking, uh, solution today you know you can't live off of yesterday's spiritual solution you have to do it today but obviously on this this day of walking through the tube i did not i was pissed um when i made got through work sweat sweated my ass off just just like dying you know 
can't miss a day, another day of work. I can't detoxing. I can't miss a day, day of work detoxing. They're going to fucking fire me. Um, uh, so leaving, you know, girlfriend's still pissed at me. You know, she works at the same job, uh, walking through that tube. And I, I like, I just was sped up. I was like thinking about jumping into fucking traffic, uh, on the way up to the tube. I was like, if these people don't acknowledge me today, I'm going to fucking kill myself tonight. And if they do, I'm going to throw away the gun tonight. And I got, got home. I showered up. I went like three hours early to the late show. I, I, I sat at the 8 PM meeting. Um, they, they let me stay in there with like a homeless guy. The guy who ran the meeting at 8 PM knew me from before. He let me stay in there with a homeless guy until the late show secretary came, you know, it was like, um, I sat in my normal seat. I always sat by the door. So if people came in, I could like beat their ass if they came in to start shit with anybody in there. Uh, seriously. Uh, so I, I freaking, um, I sat in my chair, uh, these, these young people sat down next to me and, and they were kind of the people I was targeting. I always think that like young people hate me because I'm like rough old bass fucking dick, fucking metalhead. You know, I always just think that people don't like me. I don't think that anymore. So, but uh, at that time I did, you know, I thought that no, I didn't have any value for them. It, it sat next to me. Um, I was like legit still like going through it, detoxing through alcohol and drugs is all bad. Like if you're going through that right now, like, like, put a blanket on, you know, hold on tight, you know, don't fucking go nowhere. Um, but you know, I'm sitting in that chair and I was like doing the Mick Jagger, just like, like the person sitting next to me was just like looking concerned through the whole speaker, just concerned. And then, uh, when, when it came for the seventh tradition, they leaned in and were like, are you okay? I said, fuck, no, I'm not. And I knew, like they acknowledged me like they're like do you want coffee and i was like yeah i do i do want coffee i didn't need coffee you know i was still like twacked out of my gourd from whatever you know and whenever um and, but at that at that point i knew that like I, I wasn't i knew that it was going to be the long haul was going to i was going to have to get to work so for me like step one you know, step two and step three, you know, being, being around the old school guys, I, I didn't need any unmanageability, uh, or, or, um, powerless, how powerless was I over alcohol? I was going to kill myself. Uh, I fucking hated every uh, bit of drinking. I hated every bit of what I was doing. There was shame in it the whole time, but I couldn't stop at all, no matter what. And then unmanageability, you know, I completely destroyed uh, a, a relationship almost to unfixable. Um, I almost destroyed a career. Uh, we were on the verge of eviction. There, it, it wasn't very hard to see an unmanageability, you know. And, and, and for me, step two, I always, when I go to meetings, I, I shut the fuck up and I listen, especially if you're new. I shut the fuck up and I listen because I want to hear someone talk the way they, I, I used to live. And now all of a sudden they're sane. That's that shows that a power made them sane. A power greater than me made them sane. 
and then step three, you know, like, I'm not going to get into like all God now, um, but I'm an atheist that prays. So I've learned that those God steps that I avoided step three, doing the uh, third step prayer um, is a reset for me. I don't believe in any physical God, no matter what flavor you got. I'm down with you having that though. And I don't hate on anything, but for me, I, I do the step. I do the, the suggestions in order. They say, pause. I take a five minute breathing thing, a two minute breathing thing, a 30 second breathing thing. I pause. And then I say, you know, the third step prayer or like my little version of the seventh step, you know, like God remove this from me, but I say, remove this from me. Um, and then I call an, another member and that, and that all that thing is God's work in action. So if you believe, actually believe in God, you know, that's, I'm doing the exact same thing. Just, you know, I don't have any attachment anymore. I don't try to put, beat myself up either because I would look at people and I would say spiritually, oh my God, that person goes to church. That person does this now, you know, that they, 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 they got back into their Jewish religion, you know, any of the, I would, I would be kind of jealous and I would just had to come to terms with that is not me. Um, uh, that is their experience. And I need to let people have their experience and keep my spiritual experience kind of, uh, as simple as I can. And, and that's, I mean, that's just the simplest way to explain it too. That way I don't have to explain that my higher power is Yoda, you know, and then like the cleaning house, um, uh, parts, you know, this is really like the, uh, this is where like the action steps, you know, um, you know, the fourth step is going to save your life and it's going to be the best thing that ever fucking happened to you. Don't listen to anybody that anybody that says, Oh God, the fourth step's scary. They're scared. They're scared. They don't want to fucking recover. You know, the fourth step is where it like, like the first two steps are just baby steps. You know, they're, they're just to get you to enough to where you can finally look at this garbage that's been your life and kind of break it down because see this is where like like that career that i thought was so awesome you know in my four step when i put this all out you know stuff leading up to me relapsing there was a lot of contention and bitterness at work where I probably, you know, shouldn't have been working with my girlfriend and my bosses were all sick of our relationship in the shop. And maybe I should have left sooner. Even like when I'd relapsed, maybe I should have left. And I never saw that, but putting it down on my fourth step, I had these, these two men who were the owners of the shop. I had them down and was thinking that I was going to, I owe these motherfuckers an amends. You know, I was such a dick there, but, but when it turns out is, is that relationship was contentious from all ends. It has, it, it was toxic and dissolved a long time before I had ever relapsed. I probably should have left, you know, I was there for three years. I probably should have left a year, a year, maybe one, maybe 18 months. in. I should have left that job. Um, but I didn't, and I stayed there, but the, the, the best thing about this is why I suggest doing a four step, you know, my, my sponsor looking at that and he's like, dude, he's like, there was a lot of contention and a, a, a lot of, uh, you know, most of my behavior there was I, I called in sick. That's not really like amendable. 
you know, because, you know, really the best thing that would be for this relationship would be for you to go get a new job and leave them alone. And it was mind blowing. It was like, what? I don't have to make an amends to them. The amends is me moving on and not, and not bugging them no more. And it was that simple. And, and I did not see, and it was not an option by myself, but like doing the, doing the work with another person, uh, that is, you know, really that's like, it's, it's best to do it with someone with as clear as head as possible, you know, clean time doesn't really matter, but, but, but how much, you know, steps they're doing and like what they're doing daily does. Um, so, so, I mean, then, then you get, you, you do your fifth step, you know, and, and mine was brutal. Like, like I threw a tantrum before I did it at my house. My girlfriend said, I hope this is the last time you do this. Oh shit. I was pissed. Fucking threw a tantrum in my house, left ugly face cry. And I can't believe I have to do this again. Um, uh, but in the end, this time I, I took a look at these two steps that get, that get overlooked, uh, six and seven, especially seven, uh, because when we do this inventory, we end up getting this list of character defects and, and fears. Uh, these two things are what's, uh, these two things is what's um, been the, the parts that's made me unmanageable. You know, the unmanageable part of my alcoholism, you know, uh, the, the maladjusted part of my life that makes me uh, malcontent to life. Um, so I had to look at these character defects and my sponsors in the past had kind of, we kind of rushed through this one because I was always more concerned with like eight and nine, but this time, you know, like we, we, uh, um, I heard Yaya bring up, uh, the Hazleton books. So I'll bring up, uh, drop the rock. You know, uh, he had me look at that. Um, uh, I, I had to, uh, I had to start looking at, at these, at these character defects like my temper, uh, me flashing all the time. Uh, these, these outbursts of my character defects were usually, uh, yeah, they're, they're, the, the, they're based in my fear, but afterwards, the guilt of being aggressive, I'm cursed with being a tough motherfucker that is extremely sensitive. And I could kick a bunch of people's asses. But afterwards, I would feel so much guilt for hurting somebody that I would be up all fucking night. So if I don't address and let go of these things, and then again, remember, I'm, a, I'm an atheist that prays. So what am I giving these character defects up to? And, and how often do I have to do it? All the time. Every day. Now... It's not as much, but like in the beginning, like there, there were just some, some ridiculous moments where like, I would uh, like yell at somebody for asking me for a cigarette and then have to turn around and follow them and give them a half a pack of cigarettes and say, I owe you a fucking amends. That was out of my character. I'm sorry for doing that. And the more I had to do that, like 
it started those character defects started to go away and then doing the, the right thing of like if somebody asked me for something saying no or giving it to them is the proper responses uh and then you know then it was like you know uh nine nine and ten um uh, I, i'm lucky that i've that I've worked a program for a long time so like a lot of my big amends over the years like huge amounts of like $20,000 of restitution to the state of California, like my parents, you know, all, it, all, all of the whole shebang has all been uh, touched and retouched and living amends from these family members and, and constantly having to do all that stuff. It's just, uh, it's just kind of the, the norm for night step. Um, uh, uh, 10, 11, 12 is every single day. Uh, I, like I said, uh, uh, I have to do a strict one. Um, I, I just uh, went to Las Vegas last week and uh, the whole time it's AA. Uh, uh, I have, uh, I'm like a quadruple winner or some shit. I, I have gambling issues too. So I have to like, I had to walk around casinos for this dog grooming convention. Like, so I got blasted by the heat. Uh, I went to meetings there. I actually attended Zoom and shared uh, at the late show on Zoom uh, um, via a Las Vegas hotel room. Uh, the program never leaves me. Uh, um, no matter where I go, uh, there I am. Uh, it's it's kind of the blessing of of if you go to enough like in person meetings, I can walk into any meeting room in any player part of the world even if they don't speak English and they will know what the fuck I'm saying. And I don't have that very often. Like, like you guys are, are my people. Um, my, my whole life is, uh, to service of AA. Um, uh, there's, there's not one part of, of it that I wouldn't fucking give, uh, uh, to AA. Um, um, th this, this completely changed my life. Uh, I would suggest getting a sponsor, uh, working his steps, maybe not as crazy as me. Uh, again, I, maybe I should say the disclaimer before I'm done. I do not speak for Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm not a doctor. And unless you ask me to be, I'm not your sponsor. Uh, and even then, I don't give medical advice or uh, anything like that. Um, I guess I can end early. I love you, Dean. You're the shit. Yeah, yeah, you're awesome. All the newcomers, you're great. David, what's up? Who else do I know in here? All right. Later, guys. <laughs>